Hello, and welcome back to the Wheel Talk Podcast. My name is Abby Mickey, and we are here to talk about women's cycling. I'm joined by Lauren Rowney. Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm the one who got off easy this this podcasting session. We're not going to talk about what time it is. <laughs> We're recording at a very normal hour over three time zones. <laughs> yeah, it's apparently like really, really hard to find a little slot of time that works for Australia, Europe, and the US. Um, it's not an easy feat. Matt Deneve? Hello. Thanks for having me back, I think. I think I'll, I'll let you know by the end of this podcast whether I'm happy to be here or not. But um, Okay, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> no, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me back and, uh, yeah, excited to d- dive into this week's topic. Yeah, and uh, and actually, if, if y'all didn't know, Matt released um, music, new music with his brother that I've been listening to for the last week that's really oh. good. We're going to talk about it over on the Album Files podcast. Shameless plug oh, for our you. other... <laughs> yeah. Um, it's called Bad Winds Blow. That's Brian it, Hart. yep. It was written and recorded in a, in a single day. Yep. Written and recorded? Yep. It was crazy. Wow. Yep. 12 hours Impressive. from start to finish. It was completely manic, but awesome as well. I don't know if it's a shameless plug if I'm plugging your own, your stuff. Yeah. Well, you I didn't, appreciate You it. didn't know I was going to do that. I yeah. didn't. I've been blindsided, but I'm very happy to be blindsided. So thank you. <laughs> well, we're here to talk women cycling, but we've, before we dive into that, this episode of the Wheel Talk podcast is supported by the members of the Escape Collective. There's actually multiple tiers of membership, so you can either go in full tilt and become a member, have access to the Discord, you ex- receive an exclusive members-only newsletter, stuff like that. But you can also just choose one of the other tiers and it gives you access to all the great content that we're creating over on the site. There's a bunch of awesome stuff over there. Highly recommend it. So check out that. If you're not a member already, become a member. And if you are a member, a little bonus uh, thing that we we just kind of started up. If you're a member, you get access to special podcast episodes. And we are going on hiatus for the off season. Lauren watches Cyclocross, but I do not. And we stumbled, bumbled our way through multiple seasons of trying to talk about Cyclocross. And I think that for for me, I need to just stay in my lane because unfortunately, I do need. I also need an off season from bike racing. Um, So we're taking a hiatus, but I'm still going to be producing episodes. We've got some great interviews that I've done over the year and also that I will do in the future. I've got a chat with Ezra Trom coming up, which I'm super excited about. That's going to be a really fun, really fun episode. So if you are a member, you get access to that. Just another little perk of being a member if you if you didn't know. And not a perk for members necessarily, but what about your newsletter, Abby? You've got to give that a plug as well. Oh, I have a newsletter. Yeah, um, I do great. have a newsletter. <clears throat> yeah, it's um, it's called the Wheel Talk newsletter. It's kind of an accompany- accompaniment to this. And the first episode, the first episode, <laughs> um, <laughs> the Installment? the first couple, yeah, installments of it. I, I I do a little bit of pulling from what we talk about during the episode and do a bit of a deeper dive into that. Um, so last week we talked about the situation at Yembo Visman. So I I dove into that a little bit on the newsletter. Um, but I'm also going to do like some interviews in there and yeah, whatever kind of, it's my own project. So it's whatever I feel like writing about at the time, whatever I feel like you need to know, which is pretty cool. It gives me like a very creative edge to it, which has been fun. So if you, if you haven't seen that, um, you can check out the newsletter on escapecollective.com or you can subscribe and get it straight into your inbox every week. Matt, you also have a newsletter. 
I do. It's less focused on women's cycling than yours is. But yeah, I, I look at uh, Australian and New Zealand cycling, um, kind of a, a roundup of what's going on in that space, not only road cycling, but um, some mountain biking, some cross, if there are any cyclocross riders from Australia and New Zealand who are competing at a high level, um, track stuff when that comes up, whatever's going on basically in in Aussie and Kiwi cycling. It's yeah, racing focus, but also some fun stuff around that. Yeah, the dud. It's very good. It's not a dud at all. But I love the I feel like you you've leaned into the uh the dud nickname. Yeah, you've got to lean in, right? Yeah, you you can't you you just can't take things too seriously sometimes, you know? This is how I approach life. (laughs) Uh all right. Let's talk about some women's cycling. We've got a bit of news today, some transfers, and also um, we've, we were going to talk about up-and-comers and young talent to watch, um, which is very exciting. There's some really great ones out here, out there, and we've got multiple U23 races developing, so it's going to be a topic, hopefully, that we're going to know more and more about because at the moment, not a ton of coverage for that, not a ton of opportunities um, for young riders or developing riders, but seems like there's more coming. So excited to dive into that before we do that. Um, the main transfers of the week were more 18 year olds to little track. Little track has now signed in total five 18 year olds. And so they, they just recently announced floor Moores, the Belgian cyclocross rider and Felicity Wilson, Haffenden, the Aussie rider who won the junior TT at the World Championships. Yeah, really excited to see what Felicity can can do. I, I've got a request out with her at the moment. I'm hoping to speak to her in the next few days uh, for that the uh, Down Under Digest that we just mentioned. But um, yeah, she's a super talent and there's a lot of excitement about her here and what she can achieve. And I think you know, she talked about the excitement of joining Little Trek and speaking to Ina and to Kunda Court and, and being, yeah, pumped up about what they were able to offer her in terms of her development. So, yeah, she'll be one to watch for sure. Obviously, a, a huge talent when it comes to time trialing. Mm, and a good a good head on her shoulders as well. Um, I got to see the juniors when they were here in, in Belgium uh, this year. And actually, I took Fliss last year to a Kermes where she got third when um, I just stepped in for a day to help out. And, um, yeah, definitely a rider who has, you know, she missed out on the world championships in Australia last year, didn't make the team, and then just from the get-go in January just came out, (laughs) guns a-blazing, winning both the road race and the time trial, and I think as well the Oceanas. And uh, speaking to Donna Ray Zielinski, she she, she knew in her heart that if it all went to plan, Fliss would probably walk away with a world championship jersey. And she did. It was unfortunate she crashed out of the road race because I think she would have had a great day there too. Um, but, yeah, excited as well to see what's what the future holds for her. This is an interesting um, – we got one of the – I asked for questions on the Discord, for on the Wheel Talk channel on the Discord, and somebody asked about the situation at Little Trek and that they've, they've signed six new riders. Five of them are 18, and one of them is Clara Capone, who's going to be focused mostly on the track for next year. And mm. it's, it's very interesting because Trek is one of the teams that doesn't have a development team, but they've kind of made – a huge portion of their elite team now into 
development riders, which I think if you look at their season this year, a lot of it was bad luck, but a lot of it was that they were just short riders. And to sign five 18-year-olds is an interesting move on their part in terms of that the, that they they were really missing something this year. And I don't know if this is going to fill that, that gap or not. Um, I think probably... I would lean towards not just because what they need is, I mean, we'll see Ellen Van Dyke is planning to come back. So we'll, we'll see if that, if that kind of re makes the team, you know, what they were the last couple years, um, just having her back on the roster. But yeah, I don't know. I don't, I, I was excited about the first couple because it gives an opportunity to young riders that I think is really cool. But the fact that they've signed five, I think is a little bit ambitious and also is maybe not great for those riders in terms of development. Um, if you're like one or two 18 year olds on a team, you get more attention towards that development. If you're one of five, I think that you could get passed over because at a certain point, the team is going to need to get results and they're going to need you to do a job and there's not going to be any leeway for you to learn and grow because they need mm. you to do something. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tricky situation and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Uh, I, I It would be sweet if they just had a development team, but yeah, they've just went ahead and signed them all to the to the World Tour team. I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, so that there's five young riders that have been signed over the past months. Are they all multidiscipline riders except for Fliss? Yeah. Or at least, yeah. So I think, I mean... Trek, as long as everything goes to plan next year should, and they have a healthy roster, they've still got that really core um, squad that's been there for years, plus the addition of Amanda Spratt and Brody Chapman. So they had an awful year, I think, in terms of injury and illness. But if everyone lines up next year, raring to go, because, again, it's an Olympic year as well, um, I think the core riders will definitely as per usual, get the pick of the races they need to do in terms of qualification or goals, et cetera. And then Fliss being the only um, road rider without doing cross or mountain bike or any other disciplines, um, I'm sure she'll probably start her season a little later than, than the other riders and coming for the smaller spring classics and fill those gaps there. Um, that's how I anticipate they'll be doing it. I, I think they'd probably want her f like on form for the Aussie races. Yeah, but then to come down mm. and then come back up because gotcha, it's a gotcha. lot for a young rider to be good. But honestly, knowing those bigger teams and because they're European, um, you know, she she doesn't necessarily have to be on form there because um, she's not going to win the nationals. Uh, not in an Olympic year. I'm sorry. Not at I mean, no Sarah Gigante has done that in the, the previous years, but I, I don't see that happening, to be honest. Um, and also not in such an important year for the other riders that are on that team. Um, and for such a young rider, speaking from experience racing on a European team as my first team, there was no emphasis on nationals because they didn't want me to burn out. Um, and if you're not a seasoned rider to show up there, flying like if you do do that they're going to make you come down before you come back up yeah it seems to me like uh signing a bunch of 18 year olds is is obviously a, a play for the future it's not for next year it's for 2025 or 2026 and i, I guess they're hoping that 
as, as Lauren said, that that core group of hitters will be the ones that are shouldering most of the load. So Balsamos, your Lucinda Brands, Brody Chapman, you know, Lizzie Dignan, Elisa Longawagini, Guy Rielini, who I'm sure we'll talk about today, Amanda Spratt, Van Anroy, Van Dyke. Like, there's a huge list there of very strong riders. So if everything goes to plan, they have better luck than they did this season. They should still be able to get results um, while also providing opportunities for those younger riders. Yeah, I think I, I'm... I, I know the like for the future it's great if they develop them properly. That's a huge caveat. Like they they have to develop them properly in order for it to be a good investment for the future because you can sign young riders all you want, but then if you neglect to give them what they need, they're going to retire mm. early. They're going to leave the team. So that doesn't mean anything, but I also think that they this year was so disappointing and I don't think it was only because of the injuries and the bad luck that they had. I think that there was also some issues with them not filling Ellen's spot. Ellen was gone the entire season. They had an opportunity to fill her spot on the team with another rider because of the the maternity leave rules that the UCI put into place. And they chose not to do that until way later in the season when they signed a triathlete who's incredibly talented, but didn't race a single day with the team. Mm-hmm. And they needed that person like by the time they got to the end of the season they were fielding like four riders at races like they needed they needed another rider on the team but they also like we we forgot that they also lost Leah Thomas early in the year like late in last season and she had a contract for this year uh yeah Ann Taylor was out but Leah when she left the team the the UCI gave the team a chance to sign a new person to that spot and they didn't so they had two completely empty spots of riders who were gone in Leia and in Ellen and then like obviously Lizzie was coming back and Taylor was gone so it was like they also could have not they they could have counterbalanced the fact that they were missing riders even with the riders that were injured riders are always going to get injured and sick throughout the year but they were already down multiple riders from the start that they could have fixed and i feel like having that been the year this year and the fact that they're third in the uci rankings this year below canyon stram is wild like given how well they've performed as a team since they started and going into next year there's going to be a lot of pressure on the team, a lot of pressure on Lidl as a new sponsor who wants to be the best team in the world, a lot of pressure from them for the team to step it up and be the best team in the world. And in order to do that, they need to look at what happened this year and be like, okay, we need to figure out this situation before next year. So even though it is a good investment for the future, they also need to perform well next year. So it's hmm. kind of like a we'll see type situation, I feel like. It could be totally fine. I hope it is. But it is that jump from junior into elite is getting wider and wider and wider and wider. And yet we're still expecting these 18-year-olds to be able to do it. And at a certain point, there needs to be more steps. There needs to be rocks for them to be able to jump across the gap you know yeah where where i guess that's a good segue into the under 23 calendar but we don't want to probably go into that too much but before i mean it was there weren't that many um 
I think maybe the junior world champions would secure contracts on pro teams. I'm trying to think over the past 10, 15 years, but to have so many junior riders straight into world tour teams, I'd say this is this year is maybe the most amount ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, so. I think so for sure. If we think of all the names in the past few months, um, which is exciting, but yeah, it does raise the point too. I do. I'm still trying to figure out in my head if this is the case moving forwards. Mm-hmm. If World Tour teams are going to just um, continuously take up all the juniors year after year, where does the under twenty three calendar fall into play? Um, what what sort of riders will turn up for those races? I mean, Tour de Lavenir this year was it was the first time. It was run, um, I think, the when it was run in the, the calendar year was good timing because teams were able to release their riders to national teams. Um, but if they did build that out, I don't think you'd see that many of the top U23 riders being able to turn up to those races. Um, unless if we look at what Trek is doing, yeah, so they've got a bunch of new young riders um, they're factoring that in perhaps into the future that, you know, they they can go into the lower ranked races and then send them off on their national teams to to do these races because it'll be great experience for them and just great for the sport too. That would be the sensible way to go about it. Mm. Yeah, because the other thing is you need you need the calendar to give those U23 riders an opportunity, but you also need teams outside of the world mm-hmm. where they're going to support them and that is getting better. Uh, like looking for doing the prep for this episode, I actually didn't even realize that Israel Premier Tech Roland has a development team as well. Um, so more and more teams are picking up development teams and that's definitely going to help with that situation. Uh, th- there's a there's U23 Paris-Roubaix next year. Very, That's right. Very yeah. quietly. It's going to run on the morning of the men's race. Yeah, they very quietly threw that in there. Like, very little information is out there about it, but it's on the calendar, which is yeah. super cool. Um, We have one more transfer to talk about before before we dive into the rest of the episode. Um, And that is that Kristen Faulkner has been announced to EF Education Cannondale for next year. So away from Jayco Lula. Uh, who she's been with for for two years now, and then yeah, joining EF for the for the next year. She's it's not returning, but in a weird, complicated way that the EF team is. She was on Tibco when she made her start. Mm. Um, so depending on which staff moves over, she will be riding with some people that she that she's ridden with before. Obviously, Veronica Ewers, um, she was teammates with on Tibco, so. Yeah, Faulkner to EF. She's had a quiet year. A lot of people have been asking. I think I've seen on Discord there's been a bit of question marks around where she was going and her season and everything. So I'm really curious um, to see what 2024 looks like for her. But I I did read that Clara Hossinger, the the very good cyclocross rider, hasn't been confirmed to a team yet. And the same goes for the British rider. Abby Smith? No. (laughs) She's been out for a while now with injury and illness. Lizzie Banks. One a stage or two. Lizzie Banks. Yeah. Still not knowing what she is doing Man, next she's year. she's had a brutal couple of years. She had a really bad crash and had a really, really bad concussion 
that took her out for like a full season and then she got COVID and she had like long COVID and was suffering from, from like the after effects of that for a really long time. And she only really came back this year. And I think her, her goal was to make it to the tour, but she was, she's mm. really had a rough couple of hands dealt to her the last couple of years. Well, for a writer like that, it's, it's unfortunate because she was just sort of coming into her own. Mm-hmm. Her name was, noticed people noticed her as well like she's really a competitor in the peloton and then you have a few years out and people kind of forget about you when i mean people i mean teens you like we've just been saying there's all this young blood that's coming through so quite often it's hard to to get a contract other writers as well um sarah roy we still don't know where she's going nothing's been said about Mm, that um nothing said yeah and Nicole Frayn as well, former Aussie champ, was with um, Park Hotel Volkenberg. She's no longer with the team. Um, she's finishing up with them at the end of the year. I was speaking to her today. She can't say who she's going to next year, but she's hopeful she'll continue racing in the Pro Peloton next year. So, um, yeah, still to be confirmed. Sarah Roy is a big name. Um, I mean, she's been a big name in Australian cycling. So this late in the season, it's always a bit iffy if the announcement hasn't come. Yeah, I got the sense from her that she has got something lined up, but they just haven't announced it yet for whatever reason that might be. Um, so, that, yeah, let's hope that that's all good. I wonder if she's going to the track. She is doing more track yeah. stuff. Yeah, she's definitely doing more track mm-hmm. stuff in uh, the Aussie summer in particular with the hope of getting on the Team Pursuit team for Paris later next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but she definitely wants to race the classics again in 2024. So she'll yeah. need to be on a big team for that. And with a rider like Roy, I think Roy must be about 38 this year, 37, 37. So maybe 2024 is also her last year. Could Mm. be. So. No, Paris Olympics team, team pursuit, go out with a bang. I think actually on Faulkner, she, that'll be a huge goal for her as well. The Olympics, um, she was one of the riders that arbitrated the selection for the U S Olympics for the Tokyo team. And she was unsuccessful in, um, in ousting Corinne Lebecki from the team in order to, to gain a spot. But she, the Olympics are a huge goal for her. And so she'll be, she'll be eyeing the Paris Olympics and, uh, arguably a better course for her than Tokyo would have been. So. Mm-hmm. Faulkner's also signed a three year deal, I believe, which is a nice vote of mm-hmm. confidence in her for the future. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. On on kind of the topic of of young riders in the peloton and the lack of um, support for them, the it came out this week um, that the British junior champ, former British national junior champ, um, she is retiring at twenty five, stating that she couldn't earn enough money to make a living, and she's living, she's still living with her parents. Um, and this is something that we, I feel like we've talked about a lot is the, the widening age, the widening wage gap between the world tour and the rest of the Peloton. And a lot of the teams that race with the world tour teams that have no minimum wage set into place. And she raced for, uh, life plus Wahoo. And she also raced, I think she, she did three years with Arkea before going across, um, and so this is just another, actually someone on the Discord, um, Andy has said that like Drops is a team who who does try to do the best for their riders and nurture, nurture British talent, and they have done so. 
but it appears like there is a huge dropout rate. And I think that's just the case that if the riders don't make the jump, like Lizzie Holden has done to UAE, for example, where I'm assuming she's earning now a decent contract, um, Wahoo just simply hasn't had the money to be able to to offer um, contracts that we would say uh, you could live independently from. Yeah, and if, so we remember, a living wage. if we remember last year, the team almost folded. Um, they had exactly. Nicole so pull out of sponsorship. For- yeah. So this year in yeah. particular, they were they were low on money because they've that's a team that's had the goal of joining the world tour and a team that would make a really great pro team, the tier in between continental and world tour. Um, but a team that, yeah, uh, especially this year would have struggled to give their riders a living wage. Um, but there's many teams like it out there that are just not paying their riders. And that was highlighted in the Cyclist Alliance survey from a couple weeks ago that the, mm. a massive percentage of the Peloton is not making a living wage. Um, and that that gap is growing and growing and growing as the top riders make more and more. So it's just a bummer to see because yeah, yeah tw- 25 and having to retire because you live with your parents is like, not how you want a career to end that sucks i imagine there's a i imagine there's a whole lot of other riders that are in the same boat as that 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 are forced into the same decision but maybe haven't made headlines in the same way they kind of just disappear from the sport um Mm -hmm. which yeah obviously not a great thing and hopefully the sport's moving in the right direction slowly but it's it's that discussion that we've had there's just too much of a growing gap between the very top and I'm not going to say the bottom, but the the lower tiered teams, they just can't they can't bridge that gap. They're just not getting the money from the sponsors. And yeah, if you can't afford to pay your riders, and I understand it when you hit 25, um, you do start thinking about the future. I I had the same crisis at 27. That's essentially one of the reasons I walked away because I was just like, this isn't sustainable anymore. Will I ever earn more? And I didn't want to wait around. Hmm. Um, that's very different now. And if I'd stayed on the same team, I actually would have earned a good wage a few years later. But, um, yeah, that's that's sort of this whole bridging the gap thing as well. And the, the jump from the juniors to, to world tour, like I guess when you're young, you give yourself a few years and you're happy to, to be making, you know, not really a decent salary because if you look perhaps at – um, your peers who finish school and go off to university and study, they'd be in a similar position um, until they get their degree. And that's kind of like with cycling, you do your internship or your apprenticeship for a few years and then hopefully, you know, you grow and you develop uh, and you find your feet in the peloton and then you start to begin to earn that wage. Mm-hmm. Um, but for some, if you don't make the jump, um, you know, there's just always new talent coming in and, yeah, it seems, yeah, to to get into those few teams that are paying decent salaries, there's not that many spots. We'll see what the UCI's um, actual, they've announced that there will be a pro team tier in 2025, but they haven't announced, they haven't laid out exactly what that looks like. So I'm interested to see w- the details of that, like what the minimum wage is there. There's a minimum wage for the pro tier, pro team tier on the um on the men's side. So I'm curious to see how that plays into the women's What is side. that sitting at about 36 or? I think so. Something like that. Something along the lines of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 
We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, in in better, better, more exciting or more like positive, I guess, talking point. Uh, Victoria Busi's completely smashed Ellen Van Dyke's hour record. And I remember when Ellen Van Dyke did her hour record last year with the full might of Trek behind her with like all the best equipment and testing and all of this um, to get her hour record, which was 49.254 kilometers, that we were like, that's going to stand the test of time. It did not. Uh, Victoria completely mm. blew it out of the park. She passed the 50k barrier at 50.267, I believe was the was her mm-hmm. mark at the end, which is just incredibly impressive. And uh, and Ellen was a great sport about it as well. Um, but it's really cool. I mean, I, th- I feel like there was a huge bit of hour record hype back in the day when like Bradley Wiggins was going for the hour record and it's dropped off a bit and there's still like every once in a while there's a rider who's like I'm gonna I think I'm gonna try the hour record but man she she killed it that was a super impressive accomplishment what I love about this is there was so much hype around like you said Ellen doing it because obviously as a a little trek rider they really like amped it up um, there was the live stream and everything. Everyone was on board. I think we were watching it. And then this just like passed me in the news almost. Um, I knew, I remember months ago that, um, Victoria was going for it, but it's kind of like a bit of a forgotten thing. And then it's like, oh, she came out and just smashed it out of the ballpark. Um, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Super underdog. Cool. Yeah. yeah. More, more than two kilometers further than her previous world record which was set five years earlier um both of those records she set at altitude in mexico um and by contrast van dykes was uh, in switzerland so a bit of a difference there but but still an incredible ride and to to be the first woman to ride over 50k in the hour is yeah pretty remarkable effort really i hope we hear more about that in the weeks to come hopefully they shot some kind of you know, documentary about it or something. I'd love to learn more about it. In other racing news, we had the Tour of Chengwing Island over the weekend, which is a three-day sprinters race in China, a world tour. Um, but it, there wasn't a ton of talking points around it, so we're but we're still going to glaze over the results a bit. Um, Maylene de Zoot, the Dutch rider from Certes at WNT, won the first stage. The second stage was taken by Hannah Strack of uh, one of the smaller teams at the race and the final stage and the overall was won by uh, Chiara Consoni, who I just love. I love her. She's amazing. Her energy is just incredible. Um, I loved her. Wasn't she your victory for the overall win? She was, but then nobody responded to my message about their own picks. So I just took the pick section out of the preview because no one one said anything. And I was like, well, well. It is Everyone, late. Abby, Abby picked it. Yeah, <laughs> I called it. I mean, I feel like looking at the start list that she was the favorite, and I'm surprised that she only won one stage. To be honest, um, mm. but but yeah, it was it was a lot of sprinting, and we got one more World Tour race to go this week with the Tour of Guangxi on Wednesday, Tuesday. With the Tour of Guangxi on Tuesday, so today, as you're listening to this podcast, if you listen to it as soon as it drops, which, why wouldn't you? Um, and then next week, we'll talk about the World Tour rankings and uh, relegation and a little bit of Olympic selection. But yeah, we got one more, one more race to go. And it's there's a lot of the same, pretty much the same rosters will be at Guangxi because um, 
the the teams that have traveled to China to do the race uh, have only sent the one team to do both both races, so it'll be a lot of the same. But there is a, it's a little bit spicier. Guangxi, there's a climb in there and everything, so it will be interesting. Not sure if there's live coverage. There was it was really touch and go whether or not Chengming Island was going to have live coverage, and they did in the end. But um, Guangxi does not have anything at the moment that I'm aware of. So we'll see. We'll see. I'd I'd love to be more interested in these races. I I feel like they mm-hmm. they suffer from end of seasonitis a bit a lot actually <laughs> and and we've talked for a little while about how it felt like the season was kind of over after I don't know the tour worlds whatever you want to say but uh yeah it's just I mean I'm all for these races and I, I was lucky enough to go to the the first edition of uh, Tour of Guangxi back in the day and I, I loved being there but. Yeah, it's just unfortunate they fall at the time they do, and unfortunate for a tour of Chongming Island in particular that it's such a flat race. I know the sprinters love it, the mm-hmm. opportunity, but it, there's just not a whole lot to get all that excited about. So it is a bit of a shame. But yeah, on that note, it's it's a race you don't really want to watch. That sounds terrible, but you look at the results. But it's like the the Delhi Road Race in 2010. Going up and down a massive road. Um, yeah, there's no one much wants to watch there's that. There's a great, <laughs> a great shot with about two k's to go on the first stage, um, coming in on a highway with like four lanes to the, the finish, <laughs> and the, the riders literally twenty five of them across the road. You know, the, the peloton's <laughs> twenty five riders wide, and it's just yeah, just a different world, really. All right, let's talk about some up-and-comers and young talent because this is a really exciting topic and I, I think we're, we'll dive into it in a bit today, but we'll definitely get to it more in the future because a lot of these riders are riders I think we will be talking about next year and in the years to come. Uh, I, I feel like starting out with the the obvious answer, which is most of Canyon Shram's new crop in uh, mo- mostly their German riders, Ricarda Bauernfeind and um, Antonio Niedermeyer, but... There's other riders on that team that I think are going to surprise us in the years to come and and next year in particular. Somebody, one of the members asked who is the team that is going to rival SC Works next year. And I feel like there's only one answer and it's Canyon Stram with the way that they figure things out this year. And if they, they continue to do that in the, in, in the future, I think that they're going to be a serious force. And as those riders develop, but yeah, I'm really excited to see what specifically Niedermeyer can do in the future, man. She's really exciting. Only 20 years old. Uh, how exciting, though, that uh, now we're talking about Canyon Sram being the only team that can really rival SD Works, and yet the start of the season, we were like, oh, Canyon Sram, they just can't get a win. They just can't. You know, they're always there, but they can't do anything. And now now they've got this huge crop of exciting talent. Yeah, you know, the German riders you mentioned, Mike Vanderdown is going to be a huge force for them in the classics next year. Mm-hmm. So a back set, of course, um, as well as Chloe Digert as well, of course, who was great this year and, and still growing so much as a rider. Um, yeah, really exciting to see what that team can do next year and some great talents for, for all sorts of races. And if not next year, I think in 2025, um, because, you know, there are some riders, we were talking about teams like Little Trek that are coming to the end of their game, I think. And in the next year or so, we're going to see a lot of the names that we talk about a lot potentially leaving the sport. Yeah, I think, yeah, Canyon Stream, I'm really excited about that. They're pretty much like 85% of their team is up and coming young talent. So, <laughs> um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been impressed with them this year. And like Matt said, the turnaround from our beginning of the year convo to like them being second overall in the UCI rankings at the moment is just wild and really cool to watch. Um, I feel like you can lump other teams into the up and coming talent conversation. And one of them is the Phoenix to team next year. I am just like so excited to see puck Peterson on the road. Um, she's obviously phenomenal on in the mountain bike and cross and just such an exciting rider. One of my dad's favorites. Uh, I went to the world cup in Andorra with Lila and we were there specifically to see Kate Courtney. I made her a friendship bracelet and chocolate chip cookies, and I was really excited. And I was like, Dad, Dad, we saw Kate Courtney. And he was like, but did Lila get a picture with Puck? And I was like, no, I did not go <laughs> not go request that Puck take a picture with my, with my baby. But I'm going to have to in the future because uh, I think she is a rider. Next year, cyclocross. Yeah. End of season. That's true. Who knows? She might do Gravel Worlds in Belgium. I'm I'm really pushing for it. I've I've been influencing my husband that we we need to go to Belgium and yeah. Lila has cousins there even. Like it would be great. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I feel like Puck like she has correct me if I'm wrong but um the way that she races cyclocross, the way that she races mountain bike and also what we've seen um on the road particularly Strada Bianchi, she has no fear like Cassie Neodonna. Mm-hmm. She just reminds me of a young Cassia who first burst onto the scene. So um we we know the trajectory of her career. Um so I think and being Dutch as well. The, the sky is the limit for this young rider. It will just be a question of managing three disciplines, I think. And we've seen that in the past, how um, when mismanaged, uh, maybe just due to a bit too much enthusiasm, riders can burn out. You can bounce back, but that would be the key here. Yeah, I think you're you're referring mostly to um, Pauline Fran Prevost, who tried to do all three, won mm-hmm. all three world titles in the same calendar. Very year. young. Yeah, and and then had to step away from road and cyclocross for a long time, and now just races on the mountain, mountain bike. Um, but that team has some other really exciting talent. I mean, Christina Schweinberger, who was third in the TT at Worlds and fifth in the road race, like she's, I can't wait to see what she can do with that confidence boost. And Petra Siaski from Switzerland is another rider on that team that I think is a little bit very up and coming, super young, had a great couple performances scattered throughout the year but i think is going to be a rider that we're going to watch in the future and switzerland is a team is a is a nation that's really coming through the ranks at the moment and a lot of Mm -hmm. it we can point to obviously um marlon rooster for that but there's other riders on the swiss side that are exciting prospects for the future and i think petra is one of them and marta troyan of Belgium, who I probably did not pronounce mm-hmm. her name right, but she's another young rider on that team that I think that I'm really excited for in the future. There's just that the team is like, it's the way that they race, but also they, they seem to inspire like a lot of, um, go out, try it. If it doesn't work, mm-hmm. <laughs> try it again. I feel like it's a great environment for riders to learn what works, learn what doesn't work and succeed in making mistakes. Uh, so I feel like that they're a team that just in general, you could look at those blue jerseys and be like, all right, up and comer young, or just like, and someone who is exciting to watch. Yeah. We saw that at the tour de France fam 
avec swift didn't we they were just so aggressive every day backing it up with great rides um martha truen was great in the break on the day that yara castelline won the stage and standing at the team bus after that win just seeing the team spirit and the way they they all got around each other was was really cool so yeah i, I definitely agree an exciting bunch to, to look at with some great riders going forward so I think sometimes when riders make that jump from under 19 to the elite ranks, as a 9 to 19, the racing's a little bit more chaotic. Teams aren't really organised as teams. Um, you know, they're still learning actually how to to race their bikes in how, you know, we, we come to learn to race professionally. Um, but maybe that's what Phoenix has done really well at harnessing and what Canyon Tram's doing a bit is just, you know, take that enthusiasm you have to just race a bike and have a crack. And, you know, the sort of tactics that we see in men's races, the pre- predictability that we sometimes see now in women's racing, the riding the front, positioning your team leaders, that sort of thing, having just one leader in the race. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of doing that, where I think they'd have less chance of getting a result, they're just going in and racing how they know how to race. Um, and bouncing off one another. Mm-hmm. That's what I love. Yeah. Because I think when you're a young rider and you, say, go to a little trek or something, you're not going to have as many opportunities to race how the Phoenix to Kunik riders race. That, that's way more organized over there. Mm-hmm. Organized um, tactics for the race and just a clear leader, which will completely change the situation. I think as far as Movistar, they've signed some young talent for next year that I'm curious about. But as far as riders that are on the team at the moment, Paolo Patino is a rider that we we didn't mention in the Domestique chat, but was brought up on the Discord. And I think that she's a rider that has been in the game for a really long time. She's been on Movistar for a really long time. And she's got some really under the radar results. And I'm curious to see like if she's going to be given any freedom if she's if she's ever going to surprise us with a with a performance at some point and i wouldn't be surprised like she's a rider who's super consistent um and i'm curious about signed through 2025 as well huge vote of confidence sarah gigante too she's had a awful year or two yeah but she's still with the team next year and if she can get everything right yeah, she's still very much a young and up up and coming rider with a lot of exciting things ahead. Hopefully, so fingers crossed for her next year, and yeah, it'd be good to see her up amongst it again. DSM has some some riders that I think are there. Obviously, most of their team is is kind of young, uh, but they've got some up and coming riders that uh, this year were a bit overshadowed by the the fight for Georgie Charlotta Cool of it all, but Nunca Vink the 19 year old on that team, she had some really impressive, quiet results kind of just chipping away. Um, and so did one of their French riders, Englantine Rayer. She was, she rode super well. I think it was tour Scandinavia. That team's going to continue to develop them. If there's anything that that team can do, it's uplift young riders. So I'm curious to see like what happens with with some of the riders on that team that they signed last year when there was um a lot of their their core team left. They basically just signed young riders. 
<laughs> Yumbo has a couple other interesting ones like Naomi Ruick, who's going to EF next year. Um, she had some great performances this year and I think is is another exciting Swiss rider to watch. Um, obviously, Femme Van Empel, who's very well known on the cross side, but has only recently made an impact on the roadside. And I think for her, she she was learning a lot this year, learning through mistakes this year, but I I think she's a rider to watch in the future. Definitely going to be super exciting to see what she does. And Kim Cadzo as well, who's also going to EF. I think that that's going to be um, a really great environment for her as a, as a young Kiwi over there um, in like an English speaking team. Uh, so yeah, I think that they've, there's a couple really exciting Yumbo riders that are, that are leaving the team and a couple that are staying. And I feel like Femme is probably the one that I'm most in, interested in. How much road racing is she going to be doing next year? Do we know? Because she's obviously, yeah, got cross, as you mentioned, but how much of a focus is road going to be? Do we know Mm -hmm. that yet? I would assume because it's an Olympic year and there's no cross in the Olympics that she would probably lean heavier onto the roadside. But but I'm not sure. I mean, that team is um, going through a little bit of a change at the moment. So it's I'm curious to see if they will want her to lean more into the road, if they're going to push her to lean more into the road because they need her presence on the team. Um, and, and that her cycle cross will take a hit because of that. I mean, she, she's a young duchy. I think her, her chances of making the Olympic team, when we look at who will be going for those four spots are pretty slim, slim. just yeah. because she hasn't had as much experience on the road. So I would say, Femme will go for the the world title again in cross this year, probably have a small rest and then come back to support for the classics where she's going to have to be riding for Anna Henderson and um, and Mariana Voss, who I'm sure still has her eyes on another Olympics, whether that will be the case. It just occurred to me that the Dutch Olympic team next year is like Demi, Lorena, Voss, like they're gonna be so good. They're almost scarier. They're almost scarier without the Vanderbregen Van Anamiek duo because that duo was while they were phenomenal. They threw a wrench in the Dutch because they don't work well together. But that will not be the case for next year's team, which is yikes. <laughs> well, I think. They, they're, they're always the team that can basically field a team who can do everything. So whatever the race situation is, there's very few teams that can say we can put someone in every move, um, in every type of terrain, and know that we can have the outcome for the win. Now, 2020 Olympics was a bit of a freak sort of... Weird race, <laughs> yeah. Weird race that happened. Um, but any other situation, I think it's it's always like... It's always the Dutch, particularly with this this weird composition of four that we see. How weird is it that looking at the the way that this year went, Voss is like in question of whether she will make the Olympic team. What a world! I mean, she in. has. I mean, Voss has been to how many Olympics now? A bajillion. I think two thousand. So since two thousand and eight, she's been to every Olympics, right? Um, and this could be the year. I mean, it's Voss, like you said. But, you know, Van Dyke has also 
going for it again um, because she has her eyes set on the time trial. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think the Dutch have three spots in the time trial even. And Rihanna so, Marcus I mean, she is could be a rider. Like, hands down the best time trialist in, in the Netherlands at the moment on the road. If Sharin has another great year, she could make the team <gasps> okay, based no. on results for the road team. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm reading a I mean, we can go down the rabbit we hole. We could with go this, down but... the rabbit hole. It's so true. Um, Leia Cornier uh, of the DSM team, she's a young French rider on the DSM team, and she's going to FDJ next year for two years. And I think she's super exciting. She was second behind Niedermeyer in the youth classification at the, the Tour de l'Avenir, which is a funny class classification, I feel like, at a U23 race. Um, but she's a rider who I think has a lot of potential, and I think we will get to know her name a little bit more in the future. Mm-hmm. Um. SU Works new signing. They've only signed one new rider for next year, Femke Goretze. And she's a rider who, one of those Park Hotel Valkenberg riders who's made the jump to SC Works. And we talked about her briefly when the announcement was made that she would be moving over to SC Works. But she's she's a super exciting and slightly terrifying rider for the future, for sure. Yeah, and they still have, I know she's not super young, but uh, us. I guess it's still only 22, actually. Mm. So still, yeah, she's still very young and very much on the way up and got her first World Tour wins this year. So I think expect good things from her, uh, obviously. And then also Misha Bredewald as well, who is only 23 now as well. So and already winning at World Tour level. So, yeah, some some more exciting stuff in the future for a team that's already winning everything. Yeah, Misha yeah, Bredewald. Another example of developing yeah. the, the young. So when the next generation, yeah, come through, Andrew Demi's in that, retire in a few years, they'll basically slot in. And then it'll just be is more. a weird one. They're like, there are mm. riders that go there that are, that show a lot of promise and they go there and they are just flattened by the SD Works situation. And then there are riders that just, become unstoppable Blossom. yeah misha bradewald i i just love despite the fact that she somewhat judgmentally uh told me that she she doesn't listen to taylor swift anymore <laughs> she listened to it when she was younger she's like <laughs> 22 like <laughs> um also anna but, shackley at sd works right mm, yeah yes, only 22 she was yeah second third and second on stages that toured 11 years second overall so yeah another young talent i think we forget sometimes mm. and like neem fisher black she is still very young too but it's just because we've been talking about them for three years now these mm. writers it's like it's almost embedded in your head that they're you know they've already been there and they're, they're doing that but it's it's crazy to think how how they young they are and i think even when I was going through the list and thinking of riders, um, I actually just went onto the website that will not be named and put um, an age limit in from 19 to 22 to just sort see who fit into that age group. And I was like, oh, my God, you're still under 22. <laughs> I think these riders on SD Works also get overlooked because of how dominant the bigger names on the team are. Any of these riders, if they were on a different team, they'd be – one of the most exciting riders on the team. But, you know, Blank of Us had a good year, two World Tour wins, uh, and is kind of 
almost an afterthought, which sounds horrible, but given how good Vollering and everybody else is, you know, she's she's way down the list. Mm, yeah. <laughs> UAE has some exciting riders that I think uh, I'm curious to see what they do in the future. Olivia Burrell, who had an, a, an amazing year in 2022, kind of fell off this year a bit, but I think that she's... Um, She's a rider that will get better in the future. And also Elena Ivanchenko, the Russian rider on that team, she won Best Young Rider at Ardesh and Tour Scandinavia. And I think like she's a rider that I'm I'm curious to see what she does. Is she the former junior world champion, perhaps? Is that possible in the time trial? Won the junior world championship in 2021 TT um, and the Europeans. So she's definitely like, she won a stage of tour uh, Breton last year. And um, mm, that's right. I think, yeah, I'm curious like how she will develop. And it's interesting because the, there's another R- Russian rider on the scene, uh, Tamara Dronova, who Matt profiled during the mm-hmm. Tour de France Femme and is a very under-the-radar rider who's just consistently in the top 10, but is very much set aside because of her nationality. I think that that's an interesting thing with with Elena as well, um, how that is going to impact her career and her ability to to develop as a rider and have opportunities in the sport yeah i always wonder about that where the tipping point is because i think riders like dronova are very good and but just outside that top tier or like a couple of tiers down maybe but at some point if you start winning enough you people are going to have to talk about you and the media that have decided not to talk about you are going to have to talk about you and big teams who are maybe reticent to sign a Russian rider are probably going to have to think about doing that. So I wonder where that tipping point is and and whether Ivanchenko can can find that out. Um, it's very complicated, obviously. I'm not I'm not trying to make light of, of any of the, the issues around it, but that intersection between sport and politics and, and all that is is mm. challenging for people and um, as I wrote, as Abby mentioned during the Tour de France fam, uh, it's it's quite an interesting one, and I wonder what that's going to hold for Ivanchenko going forward. Uno X has some really exciting talent, uh, young talent on the team as well. Um, Anna Dota had a had a rough year this year, but she's I think that next year she's going to be uh, have have come back a little. bit. I hope she does. She's just a character. Uh, as well. She was part of Julie Leth's audio diaries last year from the Tour de France Femme. It was a joy to listen to her anecdote. So I'm curious to see how she does. Um, the 26-year-old Norwegian May Bjorndal Otestad, she's pretty exciting, as well as uh, Rebecca Coroner, the 23-year-old Danish rider on that team who won the the national championships this year. And there's a Finnish rider on that team, um, Anina Etosolo. I don't. Once you get to Scandinavia, man, the names. Um, <laughs> imagine it feels like looking at Tom's last name and being like, "How do you pronounce that?" Which I did yeah. when I met him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Anina. She's the Finnish national champion. She's only 20, but she's, I think, a really exciting rider to watch in the future. Um, and, She's a sprinter, right? And I think being, on, yeah, a, re- a good sprinter. And I, I think being on Uno X for those riders in particular is just such a great pathway for them to flourish. Um, being a team that is mostly Scandinavian, it's a it's a team that 
they will feel comfortable on, which is important. Uh, and I don't know how well they're going to be able to develop them into like a top tier type team, but at least give them an opportunity to learn in a good environment before they maybe move on to a better team. Um, but there's, there's definitely some riders on there that I'm curious about. A UAE and AG insurance next next gen's U23 teams has have some really exciting riders on there. Uh Laura Laura Lizette Sander of Estonia had some under the radar results this year and I think is a really interesting rider for the future. I'm curious to see if they're going to let her ride um for, or if she can make that jump to the elite team. There there's interesting rules between because the UCI hasn't really paid any attention to the fact that there are elite teams that have development teams on the men's side. I think that the, the Devo riders can stagiaire for the world tour teams. And on the women's side, it's less nor it's less, it happens less because there's just been less opportunity for there to be development teams connected to a elite team. Like when Canyon Stram generation started, um, I was talking to, to that team about the situation with their licensing and they're just two completely separate teams because they can't be connected where on the men's side, I think there's a rule on the men's side that elite teams have to have a development team or a women's team or have some kind of ties to to a development team. Um, so yeah. Uh, and for on the AG insurance team, they have Flora Perkins on there who she was, a rider that I feel like we mentioned a couple times last year and was a little bit more under the radar this year, but she's, she's an interesting rider for the future as well. But the, the AG insurance elite team has like a bunch of future stars. Really young riders. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, that. Justine Gurkha. She's like super exciting. Julia Borgstrom. We talked about her during the, during the tour. Mm -hmm. Anya Lau, like, uh, the, the Aussie rider, Matt, chatted her talked about her a ton last year at the tour i feel like um she's she's an exciting rider for the future for sure yeah i think she's just extended with the team yeah. for another two years maybe as well mm -hmm. yeah yeah they were super impressed with her when i spoke to the ds last year yolinda hora um she said it's always nice to have an aussie on the team but just for how mature anya came across um, for such a young rider and yeah definitely again a rider that particularly as Aussies um, we don't seem to talk about that much but we need to pay a bit more attention to her um, and perhaps just a rider that yet hasn't gotten the opportunities um, and speaking of that team is Ashley Moore and Passio still with them I believe so but she signed two years yeah but I, it's a bit of a question mark I feel like Mm. I'm curious what she's gonna do. It's the Olympics doesn't suit her super well next year, and she was supposed to retire next last uh, year. So I'm yeah, it's intriguing. What did you guys mention? Did you guys think of or write down any any up and comers that I, we didn't just mention? One I did have down was um, Eleonora Gasparini for UAE. Mm -hmm. um, she just turned 21 in March and had a bunch of good results, through, you know, through the early part of the season and then got her first World Tour win with a Tour de Suisse uh, later in the year. Um, I think 
she her contract with UAE ends at the end of this year, so I'm not quite sure what she's up to next year, but she's an exciting rider for sure. Um, and I know these two riders I'm about to mention are more established and they're not um, as fresh as some of the ones you talked about, Abby, but I do think it's worth just mentioning Shirin Van Roy and Guy Rialini for Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, Van Roy is only 21 and Rialini's only 22. So, you know, already winning World Tour races, so established stars in their own right now, I guess. But, um, yeah, very much part of that up-and-coming uh, contingent, I guess, and, and exciting players for the future for Trek. Um, particularly, you know, as we mentioned there, next season or so is going to be pretty interesting with so many very young riders coming through. Yeah, I think Ali Wollaston, we forget, she's still under 22 um, and a rider that we've spoken about a lot, again, AG uh, insurance. Um, I think next year we're going to see, I know she'll be focusing probably track and row, but more track, I would say, for the Olympics. Um, I'm sure she's going to have a really strong spring classics, uh, even though she's probably got her eyes on the on the Paris trap, um, Paris Olympics. And then also Megan Jastrab. I don't think we mentioned her. We always forget, but because she is a name and she has gotten some good results um, and a rider with huge, huge talent. And um, like you said before, Abby, another one with a good head on her shoulders. And right now, you know, I had a little look at the riders between 19 to, to 22 and she's sitting fifth ranked overall out of all of um those riders right now so man it's um, just so crazy and then uh, like this little this girl showed up to our team camp and just completely schooled all of us and now she's just killing it in the world tour it's just awesome i did i did like see her name and i didn't even think to write her down because i was like oh yeah megan she's like she's (laughs) she's been here forever yeah I think it's because she was so good as an under-19 in the US and it was a name that you heard and she was winning races. So, again, it's it's a name you've heard for a few years, so you just forget that they're still so young. No, but you're right. Um, like, I think that but, she's in on the European scene. Like, she's barely dipped her toe in. Like, she's going to be, mm-hmm. as she continues to do those races and grow, and she's, yeah, she's got such a good head on her shoulders. She's so level-headed and so... Um, she really knows priorities and like how to not make like cycling is not her entire be all end all. And I think it makes her a better bike racer. Um, like that works for some people, obviously Mm. it worked for Anamique, but some people need to not make it their entire personality. And Megan does a really great job of balance. Another writer I just thought of too is Cedrine Cabal. Sorry. Sorry to jump in there. Um, Cabal was 20, is 22, mm-hmm. and remember, she was best young rider at the Tour de France fam and kind of went under the radar a little bit as as much as you can in the white jersey. But uh, having a look back at her stats from this year, she was top 10 in four different stage races and then 12th overall at the Tour, um, was 6th overall at Lavenir when she left the race. Um, she's got another couple of years with Sarah Tizzet, so that'll be really exciting for, for that team and... Yeah, she's obviously a very talented rider that I'm sure we'll see more of. I'm sure there'll be some rider we've missed and someone will call us out on Discord. I hope that's that what they that's do. Therefore. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
I hope that they do. I love it when people pay more attention than we do. Um, I wish that there was a better way for us to discern like up and coming riders from the non world tour teams, like from the pro teams. It's just that there's not a ton of opportunity for those riders. Um, so it's hard to pick up on who's going to be the next big crop of riders because there's no coverage of those races. Um, and very little information around them. So unfortunately, like, yeah, it's harder to, uh, like on the men's side, there's so many pro races that, that are live that people can watch and that the world tour teams don't all come swarm to and completely demolish. But on Mm. the women's side, it's not the same. So we've talked about it before. We'll talk about it again, that, um, there needs to be more opportunities so that we can learn new names we'll see that hopefully happen in the future. Let's wrap it up with, uh, with what we're obsessed with and, and call it an episode. Um, I've got an emotional one and it is almost, I have been awake since four o'clock in the morning. So I'm, I will try not to cry, but I feel like I'm obsessed with how obsessed my sister is with my daughter. <laughs> um, Aww, like I, I, I knew that she was going to love her. Like I knew that she was going to be a great aunt, but I, I was not prepared for the amount of just complete, like all encompassing love that she has for, for Lila. Um, and it's really been cool to see. I'm at my parents now in Montana with my sister and, um, and she like gets sad when she has to go to work because she won't see Lila for, for hours. <laughs> and, um, and it's really amazing. I just didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't know Aww. that this was going to happen. And it's really cool to just kind of see Lila in an environment where she is just so loved. Um, and to have my sister who's not, not a huge kids person, just be completely mm. obsessed with her. And I'm, and it's, um, yeah, I'm obsessed with that. Obsessed with watching her be obsessed. I guess it's also a bit bittersweet for you mm-hmm. because, you know, seeing this and then knowing that you live on the other side of the world too. Yeah, I was I was going to say if anyone understands how hard it is to see your family with your child um, and have it be so sporadic, you would, Lauren. Because um, mm. it's like funny, you you see on Instagram like parenting hacks they're all super dumb mm-hmm. as far as I've s- picked up. But one of the funniest parenting hacks is just like live close to your parents. And it's so true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's. Oh, it makes a world of difference. Yeah. Like, I mean, you live close I, to I lean Hannes, heavily. Hannes' parents. So you. Yeah, we're, we're like very Belgian right now. Like we live in the same town as in my parents in law live 300 meters yeah. from. My current residence and when we move to the other side of Bruges which will be I mean by bike 25-30 minutes um, or 10 minutes in the car that's going to be a huge difference because my son loves the fact that he can walk out of our driveway and walk to Omar um, and that's how so, I grew and it's up, a like, daily thing I grew up literally yeah. like my mom built the house next door to her mom so I, I would just walk across the yard to my grandma's house yeah and um and i it's it's just so like you know in your head that it's amazing to see your family that you grew up with with your child that means so much to you but we live in a completely different country than both grandparents both sets Mm. of grandparents so we don't get to see it all that often and just like seeing lila with 
yeah, with my family is just amazing. Like she's just the center of attention all the time. She's the most loved person in the room and, and she uh-huh. deserves that. <laughs> that's lovely. Oh yeah. All the feels yeah. that's, that's, that's Harry. But now there's another baby in the family, mm. um, whom he loves. Yeah. Um, but he's definitely, he's not the favorite. I can tell you that because my obsession is linked to sleep. And he sleeps at Omar and Opa's once a week. And it's a bit of a joke now that when Harry wakes up at 5 a.m., they'll call us to come and get him (laughs) because my toddler has decided that 5 a.m. is the new time to get up. And it doesn't matter what we do to the schedule. It's not, not, no. I'm sure there's going to be some parents (laughs) listening to this who can relate if you got this far into the episode. But it is hard starting your day at 5. I am no longer a Queenslander. I do not get up at 4.30. It's dark. It's currently dark here to after 8 o'clock in the morning. Mm. So it feels like... By the time we get to noon, I've lived the whole day. It's awful. (laughs) I totally know how you feel. I totally So my obsession is like I am Googling everything about sleep and trying to figure out what is going on in my toddler's head right now. Oh, my God. Um, So it's fun. Yeah. Everything is a season. Everything is a season. (laughs) Matt, what about you? Got any obsessions? Yeah, I'm really enjoying the final season of um, the Netflix show Sex Education. I don't know if you guys have got it there. Um, Yes. Yeah, I love that show. Yeah, I'm watching it too currently. It's it's so, so good. It's um, For those who haven't seen it, it's a British uh, comedy set in a high school and follows the travails of the characters there around their sexual identity and uh, relationships and all that. And it's just – it's so – beautifully written uh, with so much heart and i i just really love how complicated all of the characters are and how likable they are for their humanness i think it's just really clever writing and really relatable writing um with a particular focus for me on the character of eric played by shudi gatwa mm. who to me is just one of the greatest and most enjoyable characters i've just ever watched in any tv or film Mm-hmm. Um, just so beautifully written and beautifully played. I I would watch anything that this guy is in, and I think he's just been. I think he's going to be the next Doctor in Doctor Who, which is really cool. Um, I was so, going to say, does that mean you're going to watch oh. Doctor Who? Yeah, I've seen bits of Doctor Who in the past, but this will probably get me back into it because I think he's just a, a fantastic actor. And um, yeah, it's a lovely show. For those who haven't seen it, I would highly recommend it. It's very, very funny, but also just full of heart and just makes you feel good. It's just so good. It's so good. I love it. I'm like sad it's ending, but also happy because you never want them to like mm. stretch it out until oh, yeah. it's not as good anymore. Are you obsessed with the fashion as well, Abby? Mm. Like, the fashion is on a different level it there. It really is. It really is. It's like, so colorful. And especially this final yeah. season. There's some new characters in this final season that just really add, oh, add yeah. to it. Yeah. I don't know what it's like for you guys in Australia and, Abby, the, the various different places Wherever that you, you frequent. <laughs> um, but how are teenagers dressing? Because there's definitely a trend here. It's the... You know, like the straight bootleg, really baggy jeans and then the oversized sweaters. Yeah, that's that's in here as well. Is that a yep. thing? 
Oh, okay. They all clones. Yeah. Like when Hannes and I walk in Bruges because uh, the main secondary schools are all in the centre of Bruges, they go out on their lunch breaks to, to buy lunch and hang out. And, like, it's just, like, groups. They all dress identically. Mm. There's definitely no colour like you see in sex education. My partner was saying, oh, they could take a leaf out of their book. <laughs> and, uh, I was just uh, thinking back to my youth and how differently we dress. But, yeah, I was just curious if this is a thing right now. And also now. white New Balance sneakers, right? That's yes. very much a thing at the moment. All of them. <laughs> But, hey, I think they're really into, like, the, the secondhand market. So, you know, I'm all for that. Matt, I agree with you about about the the actor who plays Eric in that show. Like, he was he had such a small role in the Barbie movie, but I still feel like he was just whenever he was on screen, it made me smile. And mm-hmm. I loved the crossover between the Barbie movie and um, because they also had the, the other actress um from sex education in in the barbie movie as well and the two of them at the end there was a moment between the two of them that was really cool um but i i agree like so i stopped watching doctor who when um i was gonna say lewis capaldi but that's not the actor peter capaldi singer yeah when he became the doctor i kind of it petered off a little bit. I tried to stay in it because I was so excited for the first female doctor, but I, I, I lot, they lost me a bit, but I am just so excited for the new, the new season of the doctor. I, I'm so excited to see what he does with the role. It's going to be really cool. Yep. hundred percent agree. Can't wait. All right. Uh, let's wrap it up. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next week to talk about Guangxi and what we've got for, for the rankings what we know about the rankings what we know about the relegation which is going to be solidified later in the year but we can make we can make our guesses thanks everyone for listening and uh, we'll be back